Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Mission Driven Podcast. I'm here today with Jeff Vreeland. He's a commercial photographer for the e-commerce industry. Um, he is a great go-to resource for anything that's shiny and beautiful. And today he's taken some time to talk with us about the importance of photography and um, marketing materials, campaigns, as well as websites. Um, so Jeff, thank you so much for being here with me today and, and with our audience. Of course. I'm glad to be here. I'm glad to be able to talk with you. Awesome. So why is photography important? It's important because people judge a book by its cover. And much like how a first impression when meeting a new person is really important, your visuals are, for, for as a brand or for as a company, your visuals are your first impression to your clients. So speaking in terms of just not generally photos, but photos for companies, that's why quality photos are important. Yeah, 100%. And years ago, um, when I was working on a few campaigns for eBay, when we had a lot of images to source and find, oftentimes we had to hire photographers to take uh, imagery of these products that were high ROI, people sought after them. They were really expensive. So I'm talking about um, like car products, um, jewelry products, things that you, a, a normal phone might not take a good picture of. So can you talk a little bit about um, some of your commercial work and, and what that looks like for companies out there that might not have thought about commercial photography? That I would say, again, going back to like this, this analogy that I always use with first impressions, but also the one analogy I use is, uh, you know, when I was a kid, I would go to the store with my mom, do grocery shopping. And I remember like, like if we were in the grocery store, it was no cans that were dented. Were you picking that up? Or if it was a box that had a tear in it, it's like, ooh, someone might have opened that. You know, there was that that judgment and that that primitive fear of uncertainty with that. That no, there's no trust there. So when I talk about photos, for example, like if I'm talking to a potential client, one of the big things I'll point out to them is it's not just that you need professional photos. It's you really should have that trust. It behooves you to have that trust with your potential customers, which, you know, for example, online, to have that trust there with photos. Because when they see high quality photos, their first thought's not going to be like, oh, they got high quality photos. They probably care about their product enough to do that. They're not thinking that, but subconsciously they're going to think that. They just don't realize right. it. Right. So it's so important to have a higher quality visual, whether it be video, photos for your site, because it's going to be a representation of your brand. So when you're working with, um, what would it be, chief marketing officers or creative officers? Yeah, chief marketing officers, controllers, uh, VPs, presidents, small companies, solo entrepreneurs, yeah. everybody under the sun, really. What I'll, when I work with them, one of the first things I'll do is I'll ask, you know, where's your problem? Do you have no photos? Do you have photos, but they need to be updated? Um, do you have good photos, but you maybe want to bring your brand into a different direction? That's when we talk and we try to figure out the best option for them. And again, one of the biggest things that I see is having a site or having work on their site that's just not uniform. So for example, like I'll see a lot of times maybe a mixed 
mix of photos that were taken from 10 years ago or five years ago by different photographers. You know, they were done different styles. The lighting styles are off. Some of the pixel, uh, some of the images are pixelated. So it's also just bringing some uniformity there too. It's not even like that it's not professional. You could have all professional stuff, but if it's not uniform, it's like, well, who are you? What are you doing here? Right, right. And that was kind of going to my next question where working with a brand, it's important to have the cohesion from start to finish. So it, it seems like that's something that photographers and maybe you specifically help them do is create kind of the guidelines of what their image should be portrayed as. Is, is that right? Yeah, no, that's, that's exactly right. I mean, a lot of times I'm just in a, like, I'm like, I feel like I'm an advisor more than anything, you know? It's like, we talk about this networking, like, you know, I remember when I joined my BNI group years ago, like one of the biggest things I walked away with is become an educator, particularly yeah. like when a client um, comes to you for something, if a client maybe doesn't want to pay a price on something or they start asking for weird stuff, don't get mad. Just think, okay, they probably aren't educated. And when I'm talking with clients, it's one of the big things that I see is just trying to educate them on what, what is going to work for their brand. Right. So, you know, not all, not one set of image, set of lighting or look is going to work for everybody. Right. And not even project to project either. Right. No. And that's one nice thing about what we do is that it's always, it's always a little different. You get some uh, variety. It's not the same stuff. Yep. Yep. You know, it can be the, the same idea of having a great photograph, right. Or a great piece of content in my case. And then it's just, a new person comes in or a new campaign is released and you have to pivot with that, right? And I hate that word. At this point, I, I hate that P word. Uh, <laughs> but we have to realign. How about that? We realign. <laughs> I'll tell you, I feel like after, from 2016 to now, we should have a dictionary of words we just should not say anymore. Yeah. Because it's just, I'm, I'm, I'm worn out with it. <laughs> I, I think that would be a good uh, side project for me to get on is words you shall not say. Right? Top yeah. 10 words we're tired of. That's what we need. But it's, it, it's, it's what I love about the job though, is just constantly being able to move. Like if it's, I'm working with a, uh, a skincare brand, you know, very soft, you know, more for the females. And then if I'm working with one brand, it's, you know, industrial machinery, you know, who's going to be using, it? it's going to be, you know, blue collar dudes using this. So you got to move with that, you know, softer lighting, you know, um, a little friendlier, you know, a little cooler, a little tougher, you know, I love, that's what I love about it. But what I'm getting at is with that, that's something that you got to come to the client with. Like, hey, we should also do this to make your product look tougher and bigger. Right. Yeah, it's a certain image that's expected at that point. Absolutely. There's yeah. nothing tough about beauty cream and there's nothing soft about construction. No. No. <laughs> no. Um, so when you're, when you're working with clients, whether it's jewelry clients or um, mechanical clients, med device clients, what is the hardest part of that photography that's a little bit smaller, a little shinier. When you say hardest part, you mean like uh, like physically lighting or like in terms of the project? The project. The project. I find the hardest part is just getting everybody to communicate properly. I, I really do find that to be the toughest thing. And I'm going to go, I'm going to do a throwback here and go way back to when I was a teenager and I was working for wedding photographers and I was doing some event work then. And even now doing commercial work. So from then to now, I've just always found communication to be the biggest issue because I know how to execute my job. I know how to shoot that hard, difficult, metallic product. I know what I'm doing, but where 
things start to become difficult for me is like showing up on the shoot and it's like, oh, that area we were talking about where I'm going to go shoot in. Oh, I can't use it today. You got to go in that small room that's half the size. It's things like that that really make my job hard. Okay. So you essentially prepare for a certain space, a certain task, and now it's the rug is pulled beneath you and you have to deal with the punch. Stuff like that. Or uh, another thing too is like, if let's say we're doing volume, I'm doing like a volume of work. Um, If we're doing a lot of e-commerce work, one way to speed up the process is to have, um, to determine, okay, what products need what type of lighting. So this way you can hammer a lot of them out under that A type and then products that need B type, we could do that. It's throwing me curveballs like, oh, we didn't bring B type today. We have A type, but I set up for B type lighting. It's stuff like that. Yeah. So it's, it's funny. It's a lot of the, there's a lot of misconceptions about what I do. And that's one of them. Like the hardest thing is actually not getting the shot per se. It's just communicating clearly. Okay. Just like people think I'm taking pictures all the time. I'm really only taking pictures like 15% of the time. Mm-hmm. I mean, on paper, if you went by statistics, I'm a sales rep. And then after that, I do um, editing. And then after that, I'm a photographer. So. Makes sense, right? Yeah. I mean, when you think about it, I think that's how a lot of places are. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, what, what makes, what makes your day? What gets you excited about what you do? What gets me excited about what I do is being able to, there's so many things that make me excited about what I do, but I think at the end of the day, it's not just seeing that great picture that I've created, not making, not just making a client happy, but the fact that I went out there and I did all this on my own. The fact that I'm able to look back and then they'd be like, wow, I can't believe I, I built this. Yeah, I can't believe this started from a kid taking cell phone pictures at a local band show with a Motorola Razor 1.3 megapixel camera to now doing what I'm doing to, you know, a kid who didn't know shit about networking showed up at a local business knocked on the door with a box of chocolates asking what to do to now I got people asking me advice on networking. That's what makes me excited being like, wow, you should be proud of yourself. Yeah. 100%. And I mean, you're, you're not old by any means. So you still have a long way to go. Um, Where, where do you think that photography will bring you? I don't know. I, I really don't know. I know it's what I plan on doing. It's the answer I give to people is like, you know, when people say, what do you want to do when you retire? I say, I don't want to retire. I want to die on set. That's a, that's a, that's an expression we have in the industry where it's like, I want to die on set. Yeah. You know? So where it can bring me, I'm not sure. I know it's probably going to keep me in the product realm because I really love the difficulties and the challenges relative to other parts of the industry that are involved with doing product still life work. I'll probably, I can see myself pivoting more, say that word, uh, moving more towards uh, implementing more video work because it's just becoming bigger and bigger. Great. I want to be able to do more personal stuff. But for right now, just keeping on track with what I'm doing as a product photographer. That's awesome. So tying it back into marketing because that's that's my wheelhouse, right? Yeah. Where Where can you help clients with their marketing material? so many things I can say, but I love boiling stuff down because I love that one punch knockout. So my biggest thing is just trust. 
I can give you visuals that will make your customers trust your product. Because that's what it comes down to. Yeah. You know, everything. I mean, even like I tell this to people too, I'm like, maybe the rare exceptions of someone meeting someone on a phone call, but I think like 95%, 99% of the time when you meet your significant other, it's always the visuals first. You got, you have that attraction there. Right. And people are doing that with your products. And the biggest thing is they just want, they want to have trust. They want to have trust that when they buy that on Amazon, they know they're going to get what they see. They know it's going to work because people don't have time to repair stuff, send stuff back. No, they're worried. Is this going to work? Is that not going to work? Right. So trust, I would say trust is the biggest thing that I can help with marketing. You know, I, I also tell this to people too, is that a recent statistic that um, I found is that 21.8% uh, of the world's population buy stuff online. And to give you an idea, that's 1.66 billion people. That's a lot of people. Online. And it's getting yeah. bigger every day. Oh, yeah. Most people are getting cell phones in their hands, computers, yeah. it's getting bigger. Yep. Yep. And there's obviously an uptick since um, March 16th with everyone on lockdown trying to either have food delivered or toiletries, toilet paper, bleach, all of that, or just stuff for their kids. Um, yeah. You know, being in the e-commerce industry on, on a different side than photography, I've definitely seen more of a need for my clients to make sure their content is spot on to drive traffic. Um, and a, a part of that too actually is the graphics and the video that we're always telling clients to incorporate so that, that can also tell a story, right? And then you could also do a lot of stuff with it on the, the SEO side. Um, you could use it for digital collateral, all of that, but it's, it's ever growing. So that's a really interesting fact, Jeff, about how many people are actually buying online yeah. because the internet is not something that's just a fad. It's not, you know, going to go away tomorrow. No. It's certainly growing. It, it is certainly growing and it's going to keep growing. And that is for sure. Absolutely. It's not going to go away. But let me ask you this, because I'm always curious to prod other creatives and other people who are business owners. What is your biggest value you can give to a company in terms of their marketing? Um, besides volume, of, of the writers that, that work with me. Um, I'd say it, it's a, a varied bit of industry experience, right? A couple of clients that I work with have very different product lines. Um, and I'm of the mindset where I have to understand at least a little bit of it to be effective at my job. So what makes a good automotive writer? What makes a great med device writer? How can we get a social media team together? How does that become great or at least benefit the client. And, and with that comes a lot of um, history, whatever it might be my history, or it might be um, the writer or manager's history, but it it's adding value to future product projects based on previous projects and what works and what doesn't. Um, so it's, I'd say it's, it's trust, knowledge and advice. Trust. That's what yeah. I'm saying. Yeah. It's that experience. You have that trust. Yeah. I mean, I can tell you whenever I hear about content i always think about you when you're content writing i think about you think about just how much what a wide range you have available for customers yeah it's a free jeopardy education is what i have 100 <laughs> percent. that's some good stuff right there i like that yeah yeah so i like how you mentioned about you know also having the experience to know what you're talking about i, I said this this morning at a networking group i said i forget what it was in, in regards to but I, I said, I go, you know, I'm not going to ask my butcher about my plumbing. So 
you know, you want an expert who knows what they're talking about. But yeah. I think that's part of it, though, right? Yeah. yeah. And I have dealt with CMOs who believe they need one thing. Um, and I disagree with them. And I, I tell them, and I think that might be a little cause of strife, but I think at the end of the day, they realize they're saving money on something that won't bring anything in. Um, and they appreciate that. It's so crazy you brought that up because I've, I've always wanted to bring this up with someone. Have you ever had a situation where you had a potential client, you were like, you shouldn't hire me. You're going to waste your money. Yeah. Cause I, I had that happen recently. A woman had called me in regards to something. And I was like, I want to do this. And you know, I had this idea and it was like basically starting it from scratch this business yeah. idea. And I basically told her, you know, look, you're really, you're just going to waste your money with me. And she got angry with me about it. Yeah. Like offended, like really offended. But I was like, I don't want to, I don't want to steal your money like that. You know, I'm sure there's other potential vendors that would, gladly take her money but it's yeah it serves nobody you know to be kind of self-serving where they think they need one thing and they're so dead set on it but if you open their mind to what the actual need is then hopefully she's able to forgive you and come back to you later on when she can actually use you i think she still hates me <laughs> but that's all right though she's not the only woman in my life who hates me and won't talk to me anymore oh <laughs> i got a line longer than at the dmv up on that one but <laughs> <laughs> but let me ask you this though yeah what is what do you feel is like the most important thing when you're meeting a potential client that you want to get to like what's the what's the thing you want to cut right to the bone with what they actually need not what they think they need Ooh, um often they are very different again it goes back to the self-serving where they they think they need x y and z when really they need element op um and, and sometimes it's a mix of the both, right? Where we're like, okay, let's give you what you think you need. But then just for kicks and giggles on the side, let's do, let's do it my way. Um, and oftentimes they, they see the, the importance of my suggestion and they see that their money could be better spent elsewhere. Um, it's not always the case, I'm not always right, but it's, I'm right enough to feel confident in the advice I give uh, to my, my clients or prospective clients. Monica, and, you're always right in my book. Uh, thanks, Jeff. Um, but I've also looked at what a good personality matches too, right? Um, I want to make sure that it's it's a team environment. If, if they feel um, that it, it's anything except collaborative and mutual um, respect and understanding, then it's, it's not a good match. So that's, as I've gotten, you know, longer in my business, um, that that's super important. I want to enjoy what I do. Yeah, there's no nothing fun about waking up every day and being miserable at work. No, nope. Life is too short. If anything, from 2020, we're learning life is too short. And to, you know, every morning you wake up, you have to make it worth it. Seriously, I learned that lesson from having cancer. I'm just like, after that, I'm like, yeah, just want, you kind of just want to enjoy this because this could end really quickly. Yeah. Yeah, yep. it's, just not, it's just not worth it being miserable your whole life. Nope. Every day can be a great day. It doesn't have to be a great minute, but you can still have a great day. That's right. It's very yeah. true. It's very mm -hmm. true. Well, let me ask you this now. When you're meeting potential clients, what, what's your response when you meet a potential client or you uh, just meet someone who's curious about what you do? And they say, well, um, what's your price? What's your response to that? Because it happened to me today at the gym. Yeah. And the guy's okay. like, what, what's your price? And I go, what do you want to buy? <laughs> so well, what's, what's your response? 
I think the the one time um, I gave somebody a proposal and the response was, my goodness, the CEO nearly fell out of his chair because of your price. I'm like, I know. Isn't it really inexpensive? <laughs> um, that's, a, that's the witty response I was going to expect from you. <laughs> um, because it's it's true, right? Like this was one of the clients that didn't understand what he actually needed. He just thought he understood what he needed. Um, so it, it was an interesting conversation. And I think that levity actually broke the ice and, and had him listen twice as hard as he was talking. Um, Ooh, yeah. And now several years, I'd say it's about two years into it now, um, he gets it. And he's one of my biggest proponents to his other clients because it's a B2B company. Um, so I think that moment of levity caused some you know, grand respect to happen. And- Yeah, you stood your ground. I did. Um, and there's, there's no one that benefits in giving a discount. Um, I don't, I don't know about you, but it's, it's the value of your work. And we are so tied to our work that, you know, saying, Oh, I'll give you a 20% discount doesn't always, doesn't keep you honest as the, the vendor. And it doesn't keep them honest as somebody that's receiving a service. Um, so you have to respect the service. You have to respect the partnership. Yes. Yeah. I agree with that. Well, for me, it depends on the situation because you know, depending upon who they are or what they're able to do. So if I know a company has a budget for something, I can then grandstand that. Sometimes I get uh, solar entrepreneurs who come in who just do not have the budget that a normal company would have. Right. So for me, I sat at that point where I'd make that call being like, all right, do you want to work with them, help them out, you know, get the job? You're going to have to come down to what their level is. But sometimes I can't do that because sometimes it's just... right. The time that's involved because the other thing too is like you know i don't want to be you know just because you know you can't afford the flam and doesn't mean i'm going to give you a mcdonald's burger yeah because then that's degrading my brand so you got to be careful with that right 100 i think you know for for some of the clients i love working with i have not changed their price since we started working really and i can easily double my price for them but i just love the relationship and i believe in their product so much that I don't need whatever that Delta is in pricing. That's terrific. Because um, you know what I mean? It, it's just a great client that you feel good about. Um, and there's something to be said about that. Not all clients are that way. I don't I don't want anybody out there thinking that um, <laughs> they're getting the short end. Hey, Monica, but, why did you charge me 20% more last year? <laughs> <laughs> um, and, you know, honestly, for some industries, the price does go up that high, right? Like this year, most of my medical clients, because there's such a high demand between the vaccines, medical device and self-care, all of that, that's gone up because the writers can charge more. Yes. I understand um, that. Demand I understand is up, that. supply is down. So. I, I do know what you mean though, with what you, when you would ask that, if I do in regards to, you know, believing in a, in a client's brand. And I do, I do have that. There's some companies who I do believe in what they're doing. And for example, like I love when I get manufacturing clients who are all made in America. I love that. That's yeah. great. And, you know, for me, one of the big things that, you know, for you, you're saying like, you know, you don't raise the price because you believe in the brand. I, 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 sometimes I do that. Sometimes I do other things. Like I work around with them. You know, I understand the situation they might be in. So I just, I basically, I think what we're both saying here is we just, we find ways to work with them, you know, yeah. you believe yeah. And, there's you know, monetary fulfillment and then there's the emotional fulfillment. Yes. The IRS yeah. doesn't tax you on emotional fulfillment. <laughs> I had, I had one client I lost, I remember uh, three, no, two years ago I lost because um, 
you, you ever have one of this where a client you have like an agreement and then very slowly they just start you know they just inch it a little bit They're like oh no no we're just you know, we're gonna do this you mind if we do this this way and you know then you know it's like the the, the the frog in hot water thing you know it's like drop a frog in hot water jumps out but if you you know slowly boil it to death you know it's gonna do that i had one of those and i had to after uh three years of a relationship great relationship with them i mean i'm talking like walking in the office you know bottle of booze for you bottle of whiskey for you you know yeah. like we were tight i had to say i'm like i have to raise my prices i'm like you've now become abusive with the way you yeah. treat me yeah you, have, and, you uh, can't you can't stand for that when they change the scope so, so dramatically yeah and it's not because i ended up losing them i lost them because of it um but at the end of the day i'm just like yeah what am i gonna do you have value i had that happen similarly um we we bid out a project for um, I think it was 450 characters and we created the, the proposal around 450 characters, which is, let's say about a hundred words, give or take. Gotcha. Um, and then we get the project because obviously we had the best bid and the guidelines came back as 450 words. Oh, it's essentially four times more content. And so I, I said, you know, I appreciate that we're having a kickoff call now, but we need to have a discussion about the, what you emailed me versus what we're actually doing. It's different if it was originally scoped out at 450 words and now you want 450 characters, but now I don't have enough money to pay my people. Yeah. That's, that's a big difference. So what, what happened? Um, so she, she pushed back. It didn't make her look good having made that mistake to her director. Oh, Um, but we, we settled it, you know, because they, they had a specific amount of money to spend. So then they just wrote less content um, and it worked out. It worked out in the end. That was fine. But um, we sourced the completely wrong writers because you would use a different writer for 450 characters than you would for 450 words than 450 pages. Um, oh, I see. I, I understand that too. We have something like that yeah. in my industry too with retouchers. Yeah. yeah. So. Oh, that's crazy. It's yeah. crazy. You the part you mentioned about how like she made it made her look bad yeah. because where my theories where I lost them was that. Um, this client that I mentioned where I, I lost because you know the price increase, they contacted me in the new year, and that was when I upped my pricing. Starting, it was like uh, 2018 was when I changed the pricing. Okay. And I was like, all right, I'm gonna do an email to my current clients so to let them know pricing structure change. They emailed me like Jan two, and we're like, hey, we got a project, and I was like, that's great, but we need to talk in person. And I went in person to the marketing director. I'm like, here's the deal. She was like, mm, okay, right gave me the job, did the job. And I think her superior was like, wait, what? Cause you know, there was weird stuff going on like with the emails, like she wouldn't email me back but she was texting me. Yeah. Oh, what, you don't want the company emailed to see your talk? It was, it was weird, but yeah. what you were saying, like, you know, there's also the chain of command that gets affected sometimes. You don't realize sometimes there might be pe- other people involved yeah. in the deal yeah. that aren't there. Right. And that's fine. You know, if you're not in the room where the decision's being made, you can't really control the outcome. Yeah. Yeah, that is, that is true. That's wacky though. 400 yeah. characters. Uh, what was it again? 400 characters versus 400 words? Yeah. 450. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Very significant difference. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say that's yeah. kind of crazy. So let me ask you this because I've never actually dived deep with you oh, yeah. about this. How does a certain project like that work? Like you find a potential client and they're like, hey, we want like, cert- we want to like every, I don't know, every week, 
we want like a story or something to be written up about our product and how do you work like you you go by characters so it depends on the client this particular client was a it is a large um, electronics retailer whose name i won't say um and these products it was a june project for a october november launch so essentially like their christmas products were being written about earlier way earlier than obviously the christmas season or the holiday season and um they they had i want to say two or three thousand product descriptions that needed to be written um so then they they kind of bid it out to several vendors and then we work with them on pricing and um delivery so typically the first week has the fewest delivered because we're just ramping up the project by week two or three we're in the thick of it and then um i think by week four five and six we're we're done we're weaning down all the edits are made and then their internal teams can just post it so it's pretty pretty seamless they don't have to have anybody on site they're not using any of their bandwidth um they just hire us we execute and deliver awesome yeah that's the benefit of working with outside consultants right it's if they they hire you for instance versus having an on-site photographer who might just be there twiddling his thumbs in between campaigns that's not really price or cost effective right no it, it's it's not at all and i tell that to people who sometimes i've heard uh, not often but i talk to some people who are jaded creatives and they'll be like yeah they're they're hiring you know people are moving everything in house i'm like no, they're not. Like from just a business standpoint, financially speaking, there's sometimes, I think a lot of times, it doesn't make any sense to do that. Right. I mean, it's not cost effective. I mean, sometimes it could be. And where I see a lot of is, I see this, um, the the do-it-all creative. I see a lot of nowadays where it's like, it's the kid who uh, just got out of college who understands social media because he's a millennial. He, yeah. uh, he's got Adobe Creative Suite, so he can put together a flyer. He can Photoshop oh, a photo for you. Um, you know, he, he's got an entry-level camera from Costco that they bought or they bought from B&H and he's taking pictures. Like that's something that like I see more of where it's like um, you know, a do-it-all creative for in-house. But I tell people, I'm like, you know, if your quality is good enough, companies, if they have the budget for it for an ad or um, for marketing purposes, they'll hire you. Yeah. Yeah. So yep. it, it can work that way. hundred percent. And then you get to have yeah. exciting clients. What's that? And then you can have exciting clients. They're not all the same. Yeah. yeah you're right about that. Yeah. That's the cool thing too, is having a, having some fun clients. What's the most fun project you've worked on? fun project I've worked on. I would say probably one of the most fun projects I worked on re recently, I would say, is uh, I had this one manufacturer, an Italian manufacturer, produces high-end bathroom materials. So basically like you ever see like a super modern high-tech bathroom, like shower, like shower stuff, basically. So very niche. And we had to do a video shoot at the warehouse. And that was fun because it's like, you go on set, we had all this planning go together. Right off the bat, like everything's super easy because the guy, the guy's an Italian from Italy, the owner of the company. And 
you know, it's like two bros together in the room. He and I were planning the stuff. So it's super laid back. And that's, I got to mention as for me, like growing up around like a lot of blue collar guys, whenever I had these manufacturers I work with, I'm like, Oh, I know you, I know your type of person. I grew up around you. My, yeah. my dad used to be a firefighter. So I grew up around like, you know, I grew up in a wealthy middle-class area. So I know the white collars and then, you know, I grew up around the blue collars. So that's the one cool thing. Anyway, we did this shoot and it was just, it was hilarious. Like the whole time, like we we're cracking jokes, you know, my, my two assistants are there, you know, he's got his guys from the West coast. It was just awesome. And it was, it was so, um, it was so fulfilling too, because it was such a big shoot to plan around. Like they built a mock bathroom in the warehouse and we built a bathtub in the warehouse, like before putting the tub in, but like the right. ruffling and all that. And it was just great. And everybody was on the same page about everything. That's and awesome. there was no problems. There was no, yeah. you know, nobody, nobody creative over your shoulder, breathing down your neck, uh, which is another thing for me. I love about working client direct. Yeah. Is that I don't have to deal with a middleman. I'm just dealing directly with the client and trying to help them with what they want. Yeah. Not so. too many, what do they say? Too many chefs spoil the stew. Yeah. Yeah. Something like that. You know, too many cooks in the kitchen. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Man. yeah. I've been on some shoots that are like that. And it's just like, all right, photos up. Can we get the, you know, the six there to review it just so we can get an okay on it. You know, we, we get, we get that sometimes and it just, it, it, it just kills you. And sometimes too, when, and look on, some of those shoots are great where you have a lot of creative because it's fun to also work with creatives who give you input. But one of the biggest issues that I find is where that can go wrong is you are just a cog in the machine. You know, at that point, you're just, you're just there to, to want this, exactly this, pull the trigger, which I like sometimes. Yeah. Because those shoots are straightforward. Okay. So it, it, it depends, but I, I do like working client direct. What about you? Do you like having a middleman? Or middle lady. Um, or, I mean, the- similar to you, sometimes people farm out their their content needs and website needs to me because they don't have the time or the bandwidth, and that's fine. Um, but I I do prefer having that relationship with the client to understand and be able to ask them the questions that maybe the middleman isn't. You know, earlier I said don't um you, you can't be responsible for the outcome if you're not in the room where the decision is made, right? If if you're not privy to that conversation, then you don't understand what they actually need. Um, and I, I think that direct communication alleviates that problem. Yeah, yeah, you're right about that. It does alleviate the problem when you're talking directly yeah. to them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I had a, a lead come in recently where uh, it's a manufacturer, has tens of thousands of products, wants to build a new site. And I got on the phone directly with the owner of the company. And again, it's like some guy from Jersey, you know. Yeah talking all this and hitting it off and really cool guy and probably the best client too. Cause he's like, I've looked at your site. I love your work. I, I believe in quality photos. So I'm just like, oh, man, you get it. Yeah. But it was great. Cause you're right. It just alleviates so much time. Like right then and there, I feel like I got with some clients where it would take two or three weeks of talking back and forth to get the answer. Yeah. I got it right then and there in that phone call. Yeah. Cause you, you build that rapport and that trust, right? Yeah. You're right about that. Awesome. So my last question for you, Jeff, what is your mission?
my mission is to enjoy the time that I have left and be happy with that time that I have. That's my mission. Particularly to my business, my mission is to always to enjoy the work that I do. Yeah. To also financially speaking, make enough money that I don't have to think about money. To be able to not have to worry about money as I get older. To be able to be an old man and look back, hopefully get to that point. Uh, with my track record, who knows? But to get to that point of being an old man and being able to look back and say that I lived a fulfilling life and to not have regret, you know? It's one of the biggest things I tell people as a motivator. I'm like, I don't want to wake up jaded and miserable one day, 47, you know, my ass hurts. And then looking at some punk who was hungry like me when I was his age, who's killing it right now, that would kill me. That would destroy me. I, I become so, I'd be filled with so much hatred and anger and it becomes such a bad person if I saw that. So that's such a motivator right there for me. You know, my mission is just to keep doing what I love to do. So what would you tell your younger self? I mean, there's a lot of stuff I tell myself I probably can't say on this, uh, this interview right now. <laughs> a lot of bad decisions you'd be making. Don't do that. Don't talk to her. Don't go there. Uh, I would say just to, oh, to stop procrastinating as much. Goddamn, that's one thing that I would look back on if I can take a time machine and just grab myself by the shirt and smack myself. Come on, but stop procrastinating. Just go do it. You know, like Nike says, just do it. it it's it's yeah. it's so true. Just do it. Yep. But that's because I'm an intense person. I mean, some people tell me I'm doing great at what age I am, doing what I'm doing. But for me, I'm like, it's never good enough. Yeah. Well, I'm like, I'm like, I'm like that Asian parent. I'm like, you got an A, why not an A plus? So it's for me, it's just, you're never good enough. Yeah. You know, it's that hard love that just keeps me, that I keep upon myself motivating. But I want to ask you this though, because I love hearing the same thing bounce back at me. What is your mission? My mission is to have the most impact in the people in my life in a positive way that I can have. And that might be sharing information about women's health or photography and, and all the podcasts and conversations that I've been having with wonderful people, or it might be making an introduction, or it might be opening my guest room because they're having a bad day and they need to get out of their space or out of, out of the city to uh, the suburbs to enjoy some time in quarantine with, with other people. Um, so it, it's really to enrich the lives of everyone around me. That's well, my mission. You're rich in my life with these words. That's beautiful. <laughs> Thanks, Jeff. It's a very, it's a very humble and just real thing to say. I like that. I mean, it's. I wake up every day and I, I say it's going to be a great day, and I, I try to make it that, because we get one life. That's it. Yeah, and yeah. you know, to your your comment about procrastination, um, I, in meditation, I, I heard this. I think it was about this time last year. What you're saying yes to now, you're saying no to something else. So if you're saying yes to going out with your friends, you're saying no to doing that proposal for your next big client. And, right. 
I like um, that. I heard I heard something from uh, I think it was uh, David Goggins or Jocko Winks where it's like uh, discipline equals freedom or something like that. I think it's Jocko. Jocko, okay, it's Jocko says yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's some that's some cool stuff. What you're yeah. saying yes to now, you're saying no to later. You're saying no to something else. Thanks to no to something else. Oh, I like that. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. You know, I, I love I love sharing this one. So forget all philosophical and stuff, but I uh I, I've said this a couple of times to my girl, like, you know, if we ever get into an argument or something. I, I think I said I had said this for once actually. Um this beautiful phrase I heard. I believe it apparently came from Buddhism, but it's like um this is the Jeff version, so it's a little shortened, but basically it's like, you know, whenever shit gets too serious or you know, you're really stressed out, just ask yourself where you're gonna be in three hundred years. You're going to be in dead in the ground. That's where you're going to be. So just chin up and just enjoy what you got, you know? Yeah. Or have your ashes blown into space. Yeah. Or, oh, you know, my buddy had a great idea. Uh, get those ashes in some paint and then have someone paint a portrait of you with your ashes. Oh, that's pretty neat. Yeah. Right. It's great. I want to get taxidermied, actually. <laughs> I, want, I, want, I want to be an ornament in someone's house, you know? <laughs> I like it. You know, like break me out like every year on Halloween and put me outside somewhere, you know, scare the kids away. Brush off the dust. <laughs> awesome. Well, Jeff, thank you for your time. I appreciate everything you've shared with me and with the audience. Um, for everyone listening, if you have any questions for Jeff or want to reach out, his information is going to be in the show notes below. Um, Jeff, thank you again. Yeah, I I've charged by the hour, people, just so you know. <laughs> but no please if you ever have any questions folks just please ask away i'm always open-minded helping people out reminder that all the thoughts opinions and expressions are exclusive to the person and not representative of any company brand or organization